But what I love about our strategy and our approach is the fact that you know we're, we're taking a look at, look at it from a short-term perspective and saying, how can you practically implement things today and see some of those benefits inside of the organization? You're listening to That's Genius, a podcast series dedicated to transforming the way contact centers do business. If you're looking to innovate your contact center to provide extraordinary experiences for your customer, you're in the right place. Let's go to the show. Hi, this is Michael Rose and welcome to another episode of That's Genius. Joining me today is Brian Atkinson, 59 VP and GM for EMEA. Brian, welcome. Thank you, Michael. Good to be here. And um, you've flown in specially just to do our podcast, so we thank you for that. Yes, uh, on the direct flight from uh, Heathrow last night all the way to San Francisco and ready to talk to you about uh, what we're doing in the EMEA market this morning, so looking forward to it. Excellent. We'll do a quick call out to SFO, too, to help find your luggage, so we'll get that to you by the end of the call. <laughs> thank so, you. So, as I said, you're new to 59 what attracted you to Five Nine, and and why now? Yeah, um, you know, to be honest, I uh, I looked back at my career, and one of the most exciting times I've ever had in the last uh, you know, twenty years of my professional career was the time that I spent spent building a contact center uh, business in the UK market. I was extremely passionate at that time, and. I'd been out of the business for about three years. And I was like, you know, this is something, this is an area that I really, really enjoy. Customer experience, it's a part of the of your life that you can see and have an impact on consumers' lives. And I just realized that this is the passionate space that I that I could be in. Yeah. And they say, you know, talking about the passionate space, the whole CX movement at the moment is really putting pressures, pressure on the contact center to be the front of the business. And so a great time for you to come on board and drive that for EMEA. Absolutely. Um, you, how long have you been with us now? Is it sixty days? Uh, a little bit less than that, actually. Yeah, a little bit, about a month, about a month and a half. So. So, what have been some of your early impressions? What's impressed you the most since you've been with us a little while now? Yeah, I think one of the one of the biggest things for me is um, Five Nine has kept all of its promises to me. It's lived, lived up to every single expectation. I did a lot of due diligence. Like I said, I was, mm-hmm. I was pretty happy in my in my old role before coming to Five Nine, running a, a global business. And so I really did my due diligence. And some of the things I looked at were, you know, is this a place I'm going to be passionate at? And mm-hmm. of course, right, CX, you know, kind of tick that box. Um, what do the, the leadership look like? You know, um, who are they? What's, what, are they, what are they doing in this space? And, you know, the box was kind of ticked there. You know, what does the culture look like, you know, from the people perspective? Is there going to be a, a fun environment to work in? Is it going to be a place where I have support and, and integrity and those types of things? And then really the last area was innovation. You know, where are they going in the future? Is this company that's going to really be a company to innovate? And so I really looked at those four key areas as I kind of went through the interview process. Mm-hmm. And ever since I've been here, all those boxes keep getting ticked even more and more. And so for me, it's, it's kind of like living up to its expectations. No, excellent. I've been yeah. here just on two years now, yeah. and it lives up to my expectations pretty yeah. much every week. I would say so, even exceeding so yeah, far, which, which is, is exciting, right? So still, still in that uh, that phase where I'm just really having a good time and uh, every day waking up excited. So yeah, no, exactly. Um, so what do you, as you look out, then you know, coming up to sixty days, what are some of your plans? What are you looking to maybe change or 
where do you see your priorities being for the EMEA market? Yeah, well, um, as uh, as people may have heard on our Q2 investors call, you know, Rowan and Dan, our our, uh, our CEO and president, I mentioned that one of our key areas of growth was going to be in the international market space and also in the channel space. And so that was kind of one of the key reasons for bringing me on was to to take a look at our business. At, you know, while we've had a, a good business going in EMEA, we wanted to take a look, how do we take that business and really um, accelerate it? And so for me, uh, was just really understanding what was going on in our business here, taking a look how we can grow from a focused perspective, and then to see how we can actually take our brand and get people to experience our brand in 5.9. And Mia, one thing I've, I've said a couple of times to a few partners, and it's kind of resonated, is that 5.9 may be the biggest co- cloud contact center company in EMEA that people have never heard of. Right, because the business in the U.S. very large business, right, nearly nearly three hundred million dollars, and um, you know one of the dominant players. And we just haven't had that kind of focus in the EMEA market space. So I really want people to to come and experience the five nine brand in the EMEA in the EMEA, EMEA market. And and you mentioned cloud. Then what's the EMEA reaction like to cloud? Because we've seen, particularly in North America, the large enterprise was almost slow to move, and mm-hmm. now they're embracing it. So we're seeing traction there. What's been your experience with cloud across EMEA? Yeah, I think we've seen p- pockets of accelerated growth depending upon in different different markets. Uh, we've seen some areas, you know, in the in the Netherlands, for example, doing pretty well. In the UK, you know, we were selling cloud solutions, you know, four or five five years ago, but still the the the, the, the full market hasn't taken advantage of that. I mean, one of the challenges that I I still see is that you know, people replace on premise contact center solutions with a cloud contact center solution, and they think, well. I haven't really got any of the benefits, right? Like, you know, I haven't actually improved my net promoter score. I haven't increased my NPS score. I think one of the things that I loved about 5.9 as well was the fact that the professional services teams that we have and also the professional services teams that worked with our partners really can come into the partner uh, customers and actually work to deliver those outcomes. So it's one thing to switch to a cloud and get the benefits of cloud, right? So let, letting us manage and maintain a uh, platform for you, having the ability to flex up and flex down, right? All of the kind of uh, financial aspects. But then, the, then there's the other aspect of actually truly delivering on those outcomes. And that's one of the things that I believe that uh, the Five Nine from a cloud context our company does a great job of. Now, no doubt you've been out and about talking to customers yeah. too. What's some of the feedback you've been getting from them since you've joined? Yeah, for me, I think it's all been very, very positive. One of the biggest things came out of CX Summit, mm-hmm. uh, which was uh, you know our conference that we had in uh, in Las Vegas a few weeks ago. And we had a couple, couple partners from EMEA and a couple of customers from there. And I think one of the key things was around... AI, right? And practical AI, right? AI is one of those words that I think it's overused way too much right now. In fact, I even hate sometimes saying it. But what I love about our strategy and our approach is the fact that, you know, we're, we're taking a look at, look at it from a short-term perspective and saying, how can you practically implement things today and see some of those benefits inside of the organization? And then from a longer-term and future perspective, right, being able to actually have your contacts in the cloud and leverage the data that's in there that's where you get to start to realize real true benefits of artificial intelligence. So I would say, you know, those types of things are, are you know, our vision and our strategy around AI is, has been really powerful, right? The stuff that Jonathan has been, you know, Jonathan Rosenberg has been talking about seems, seems to be really resonating. And I think one of the, the takes that 5.9 has too, which is different to some of the commentators out there is this is not going to replace people. If anything, it's going to make sort of superpower 
agents. Mm -hmm. We're going to really help augment the agents so they can move to another level. Mm -hmm. Well, what's interesting is we uh, we did a uh, customer event at BT Tower on Friday. We had about a nine, 90 attendees. And um, I was speaking after a very uh, kind of a famous person, uh, Martin Hill Wilson, who does a lot of the a lot of the speaking talks for Contact Center across the UK and the MIA markets. And what we didn't talk beforehand, but what what ended up coming out of that is that our presentations were very well aligned, especially especially around AI and around kind of enhancing the agent experience or agent assistance. In fact, he had you know enhancing the agent assistant assistance uh, area in his his deck, and that was exactly one of the things that I had in my deck. So it seemed very aligned to kind of what you know what the industry is uh, is is talking about at a high level perspective. But the fact that we're already doing some of that today, you know, with companies already, uh, I know a couple, a couple of companies in the U.S. and Canada were already doing that. That to me is the practical aspect of it, right? Bringing it to life and making stuff work versus, you know, kind of having this AI that nobody really knows or is confused or very uncertain about what, you know, what can it deliver. Yeah. And the thing is not to be scared about it and to actually embrace it. And part of the journey, of course, is big cloud first because then at least you can unlock all your data. And Rowan Trollope, our CEO, is often calls that dark data because there's just so much data sitting in the contact center today that we're not tapping into. Yeah, we um, it was something we did back in, I would say, maybe about six years ago, wrote, wrote a white paper around information being the new oil, right? Mm-hmm. Data being the new oil. And it's, it's one of those things where I think that that's a pretty common phrase, but to really be able to capitalize that, especially in the customer experience space, that's where we can start to to take the call centers and contact centers of, you know, the 90s and the 2000s and actually leverage that data, right? Leverage that information and enrich it to be able to, you know, make these become customer experience centers, right? Or customer, true customer experience centers. Yeah. So No, exactly. Now, you touched on a little bit earlier about the partner ecosystem, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming that's a key priority because I know in EMEA that's been growing quite mm-hmm. successfully. What are some of your focal areas for the partner ecosystem as you look out over the next year? Yeah. Um, so, you know, a couple of key, real key things. One, I look at the partner ecosystem across multiple folds. One would be, you know, the, the resellers that are going to be implementing, you know, our technology and selling our technology. And those are going to be very critical to us. We've got, you know, a, a handful across the EMEA markets, you know, in Spain and Germany and the Middle East and in the UK um, that are doing really well for us. And we want to continue and invest in those, those key partners. Um, we will be expanding our partnerships, but also I don't want a thousand partners, right? I want to be very focused uh, and I want to find people like the ones we have today that are want to work with us and we can jointly set kind of joint business goals and make sure that we sit down and can achieve each other's business goals, right? People that are really committed on both sides and we'll be committed to them. They'll be committed to us. We are going to look at a kind of a focus um, addition of, of some net new channel. I think even more importantly is taking a step back and making sure that it's balanced, right? So we call it a balanced route to market. So, you know, I don't want to have 10 of the same type of resellers in the UK market and all of them competing together, for example. What I really want to see is, you know, customers to have the choice to say, well, really, we would like to work with a high-end, you know, uh, systems integrator, right, for example. In our, in our instance, or maybe, you know, we'd like to be able to work with, you know, a master agent, or we'd like to work with a reseller. So really looking across the spectrum and saying, making sure we've got a really balanced route to market, right? So that that, that avoids kind of the, the competitive nature, but also gives us a very healthy business. So we can make sure that we're a you know, very balanced and focused route to market across the mean. We're, we're doing that process right now where we're looking at, you know, some the, across all the key markets in the EMEA, the EMEA business. Partnerships also mean one other thing to me, which is the partnerships that we have with our kind of ecosystem players, such as Zoom and Microsoft and mm-hmm. Salesforce, right? 
all of those and desk, right? Those are all going to be really key to us. So um, a lot of my, what's on my table right now is coming up in November to sit down at each one of those, the leaders. In fact, I just met with the, uh, one of the leaders of Microsoft um, on Friday. He came and spoke at our conference. So I had a good introduction with him and plan on doing the same thing with each one of those kind of key strategic alliances. And so from that perspective, you know, we're really excited about some of the future roadmap that we have with some of those key players. And um, I think it's echoing from what I'm hearing from some of our customers as well. So. Uh, excellent. Now, our audience will probably tell that you don't sound extremely British, <laughs> even though you've been in the UK for quite some time. Yes. So what is your background and what actually drew you to move to the UK? Yeah, so I've uh, I've actually been in, in the UK for 11 years. Mm. I've been a British citizen for six years, so I got my passport over there. Uh, so uh, fully, you know, I'm full British British citizen and everything, which has been very exciting. I call it my home now, which is also excellent. I've got two wonderful kids, eight and ten. And uh, both of them have only known uh, the UK, right? So they yeah. kind of born and raised there. So uh, it definitely is my home. How I got there, in- interesting story. So I was born and raised in Kansas, a uh, small town, a small state in uh, in the US. I spent 22 years there. Then moved actually out here to Silicon Valley. So I, I had my first job in the tech industry. And I spent about 10 years in Colorado, which uh, I have a, a very strong affinity for. But I ended up... Um, just deciding that uh, I wanted to to see what else was out there in the world. And my dad told me at one time uh, when I was 11 years old, and he said, uh, he said to me, Brian, that you, know, you weren't going to live in Kansas anymore. Right. And so he didn't surprise him when I, over one uh, Christmas Eve, I picked up uh, kind of our internal job searches at the company I was at and, and actually moved to, to the UK three months later. So, yeah. So that's kind of a, a quick whirlwind tour of, uh, of my, uh, my last uh, 40 or so years of my life. Right. So, yeah. Excellent. I think everybody should do that. I always say yeah. to people, if, if travel takes you somewhere new, then that's a great thing because yeah. everywhere is completely different, but it's also very much the same. Yeah. I find when I travel, yeah, it gives me a very it gives me a very balanced perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, ha- having lived in the U.S., but then also ran a UK you know organization, quite sizable UK organization. Uh, I also had a global role at my my last company, so you know I had teams in Australia and, and India and Singapore and the U.S. So I've got a very, very balanced view of of, uh, of the world. Um, traveled quite a bit, uh, but you know. Really looking forward to, to growing our our business, not only just in the UK but across all of all of the EMEA markets. So, cool, excellent. Well, you you touched on something then that's going to become a very controversial topic later this month. <laughs> um, you've got a, a British passport, which currently is a European passport. <laughs> that's right, and that's all set to change. What do you think Brexit's going to mean for like for your business, for customers across Europe? Yeah, I think the big concern uh, that most people have is just around uncertainty. We don't know what we don't know. And so from, from that perspective, we're just trying to make sure that we have uh, our, our story straight, right? Things around like GDPR and how, and how, you know, how can customers safely deploy contact stores in the cloud and still meet regulations. So we've been doing our due, due diligence from that perspective. So I think the good news from, you know, you asked me at the very beginning of this, you know, what's the, one of the things that I've uh, kind of experienced with 5.9, I've really experienced our flexibility and agility and commitment to our customers. So, you know, if, if, if some sort of legislation takes place, you know, it, uh, you know, November the 1st, uh, or something changes, uh, we'll be all over that and make sure that we, you know, we can take care of our customers from that perspective. So, so I think uncertainty, but just also, you know, is probably, probably the big thing, but making sure that, that you know, we at 5.9 have, have make sure we've got a story in place to make sure the customers feel safe and comfortable with our strategy. So, Yeah, no, exactly. And I know our compliance team are always very focused on these things. 
And so interestingly then, you know, I, I found out recently you, you know, you like to take on new challenges and things, and, and I've done something very similar to you. Mm. You have started playing the guitar, or four of them. I don't know why you need four <laughs> guitars when you take that up as a hobby. So what was all that about and, and why? Yeah, I am. Um, having grown up in Kansas, uh, I do have an appreciation for country music, and I've always loved, like, the acoustic guitar. Mm. But growing up, I was really good at maths and really good in kind of the technical side of aspects and really enjoyed, you know, going to you know, getting my computer engineering degree and all of those types of things. And I never really thought I was a uh, an artist, right? You kind, of, you kind of pigeonhole yourself into being somebody who well, I can't be an artist because I don't have that creativity. Yeah. And uh, I went through a leadership course as about four or five years ago, and it really opened up my mind to say that, you know what, you, you kind of create yourself into being a certain person. And there's no reason you can't break out of that mold, mm. right? So at that time, I, I looked at my life and said, well, what, what are some of the things that I always wanted to do and never have done? And one of them was play the guitar. So I um, immediately bought a guitar. I bought a little travel, a little travel Martin guitar and was traveling up and down the UK with it, uh, taking it to company you know, meetings and all that kind of stuff. And um, then, yeah, you kind of get uh, hooked a little bit and you buy a second guitar and then you buy a third. And yeah, I now I have four guitars. So, but I can play one song which is good, right? So, so one song with four guitars. Which is? Um, you wouldn't even recognize it. Say it's an American country music song uh, by, by a guy named Jason Aldean. Yeah, so, but it's a nice, nice little acoustic set. Yeah, so. We'll have to, have to look that song up. <laughs> yeah. Brian, thank you yeah. so much for joining us today. Also, do reach out. Brian loves to hear from people. He's on social media, so look him up on LinkedIn. Your Twitter handle is at Batkinzo. B-A-T-K-I-N-S-O. If you do nothing else, uh, request another song from it. We'll, see. <laughs> we'll have a playlist by Christmas and we share that there on the go. podcast. There you go. Awesome. Brian, thank you for joining us today. And again, welcome to Five Nine. Thank you. That was today's episode of That's Genius. Until next time, I'm Michael Rose. Goodbye. At Five Nine, we know your customers have a voice, which means they also have a choice. Through our cloud-based software, we transform the customer experience, making sure your customers know you've thought about them every step of the way. Head to 59.com. That's F-I-V-E 9.com to see how our solutions can transform customer experiences into customer loyalty and trust. 59 Genius, the intelligent cloud contact center. You've been listening to That's Genius. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Michael Rose.